certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at loose in Perth. Sarah Spears, Jane Rimmer, Kira Glennon. And every time you saw a young girl walking by, you think, oh, God, is she going to be the next victim? WA gripped by fear. All members of Western Australia have got a responsibility because these are our daughters and sisters. Now, one man stands accused. If police are right and Edwards is the Claremont serial killer, he's been hiding in plain sight for 20 years. On the night Kira Glennon vanished, it's been revealed the man accused of the Claremont serial killings failed to show for a pre-planned weekend getaway. I'm Natalie Bongiolo. Welcome to day five of Claremont in conversation. And welcome, of course, to two of the most seasoned court reporters in WA, Tim Clark and Ali Fan. Hello. Hello. Well, this was a very interesting revelation today. Yeah, it was. Um, we, it had sort of been flagged um, in, in, in previous... Um, Previous iterations of the uh, of the court hearings, but we, we got to hear it um, firsthand basically today. So this was a, a chap called Murray Cook, who was a, a good friend of Bradley Edwards back in the day. Um, they used to play pool and have a have a beer together, and also work together. Um, and it it all revo- revolved around a couple of weeks in March 1997 when Mr Cook unfortunately was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which is why it sticks in his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he invited Mr Edwards um, down to a holiday ho- home in Dawesville, um, south of Perth, um, after he'd broken the news to him about his illness. Um, and it just so happened that it c- coincided with the um, with the weekend in question when, when Miss Glennon went missing. And so the whereabouts of Mr Edwards on those days um, becomes vitally important um, 22 and a half years later. Because it is something, I guess, even though it is such a very long time ago, it is something you would remember when you've invited someone for the weekend away and they just don't turn up. And of course, so he never called. Well, he was. they were annoyed because he said he expected them for dinner. And when he finally came up the next day, he said, well, what the hell happened? Right. As you would. And um, he said, oh, well, I... And this is a contentious part. He said he was told that he was reconciling with his wife, ex-wife. Uh, under cross-examination, the defence put to him, you sure that was exactly what he said? He didn't say, oh, I'm having problems with a, with a partner rather than his ex-wife. But he stuck to his story. But, yes, he did remember it well. And he said he also remembered things because they were all related to birthdays. Mm-hmm. The reason they were down there, they were celebrating his wife's and birthday and and daughter's birthdays and mother's birthdays. So he linked everything to those days and they were the ones that, of course, you do remember. Yeah, it was quite interesting. In these historic cases, and there there are more and more of them coming up in court, um, to find a a witness who can be so precise about dates and so precise about um, those memories, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious any defence lawyer worth half a grain of salt would obviously rely on that um, uh, tyranny of time, if you like, that, 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 well, how can you possibly remember? But He tried Mr. to do that, didn't he? Well, yeah. he did, oh. and he didn't get very far because Mr Cook remembered exactly when he'd been diagnosed, as you would. Mm-hmm. He remembered that it was his wife's birthday on, um, the, on the 9th, his stepdaughter's birthday on the 10th, and his mother's birthday on the 21st. So that compacted that little passage of time mm. perfectly. And... On top of that, just so happens that his wife, who also gave evidence, um, was a meticulous diary keeper. Thank you very much, the prosecution gods, because she was able to turn up with her diaries and not only um, re-pinpoint those dates, but also point to some other dates. 
um, back in January 1996, which, as we all know, are also very important, and Mr. Cook could also elaborate on. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting um, um, piece of um, historical memorization that um, was could become quite important. I, I've described it in the paper tomorrow as a reverse alibi, if you like. It was a, yeah. it was a, it was an alibi that was was snatched, snatched away, away. From, from Mr. Edwards. And as as Ali said, as much as his lawyer tried to poke a few holes in it, um, he couldn't because the dates were were so strong. And the Sarah Spears one. Too. They remembered, remembered that very well. Indeed. Because um, he had to work overtime. He said in January, everybody's understaffed, people take holidays. And she remembered it was overtime because they didn't pay much overtime. So he was up there at Dumas House. And of course, they were working together just hours after Sarah Spears uh, vanished on Australia Day 1996. Yeah, and doing that timeline, um, so we heard during the opening about the supposed screams in Mosman Park, which were about half past two in the morning. And the cooks said today that they remembered um, Mr. Edwards turning up at their house to either drive or get a lift to Dumas House at half past seven. So that would have just a gap of five hours. And, well, we all know what the prosecution say Mr. Edwards did in those five hours, which is mm. which is quite um, quite remarkable, really, um, if, if the prosecution's proved right of how he could be yeah. one person in, in, in one part of the morning and a completely different person just five hours later apparently. And his demeanour doesn't change at all does it? No. Doesn't waver. So I was saying to someone, I, asked, I said look it almost looks like he's just watching a boring movie. Yeah. Just His face doesn't change his expressions don't change. Yeah as well, I mean we alluded to yesterday um, there were there were just a couple of snatches mm. yesterday I was watching the home movies on, on, on the screens that, it, that his face sort of lit up. The child. Yeah mm. and I watched this morning he actually did follow Mr. Cook, as he walked quite mm. slowly into court because he was using oh. a cane because of his affliction, he did follow him um, quite closely, but um, there was no mouthing of greetings or raising of eyebrows or anything. He's just been stoic all week. And, and uh, did you find out today whether he had remained friends with these people or whether they hadn't seen him for a long time before they've turned up in court today as witnesses? Well, th during the evidence, Mr Cook said that after he got his diagnosis, um, the friendship with Mr Edwards waned because he just really didn't have the energy to keep it up. Right. And, 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 Sick uh, leave uh, and so forth. Indeed. Yeah. And, mm. and, then, and then he was forced to leave work, obviously. And so um, we, we got the impression that that, that, that relationship had um, drifted apart. Um, but um, uh, over over time and after the time, but obviously um, for the prosecution and for the trial and for the case, that that fourteen month, fifteen month period, right when they were very close, is obviously absolutely key. What they did was they played pool together every Wednesday night. They started off as a friendship, just getting lifts home, and because they lived in the same neighbourhood, um, Bradley Edwards drove Murray Cook home, and they sort of began a friendship and played pool together every every Wednesday. And that was that was about it. He said, "Yeah." Mm. And then on the on the point of um, when uh, he did turn up at Dawesville, yes. supposedly in in the morning on the Saturday, <clears throat> he said to the uh, the cooks have naturally asked him, "Well, where were you, mate? Were you supposed to come down? We probably cook you dinner. We waited up." And, and he just said, "Oh, I'm really sorry. I was trying to reconcile with my ex-wife." Um, and they were like, "Well, okay, yep, we've got no enough, reason yeah. to disbelieve you," but. If you remember going back to the first wife's evidence on on the um, the f first day of evidence, she was pointedly asked, "Did Bradley ever try and reconcile with you at any point after you moved out?" 
and moved in with the new boyfriend and she very pointedly said no yep. so they're going to point to well not only didn't he not turn up when he to- said on that critical night he lied about it when yes. he got there in the morning or that's what they will and, say or the defence guy was saying that that conversation was different correct he said um, you sure you said ex-wife you sure it wasn't I'm having problems with my current partner mm. Um, but he didn't yield at all. He no, stuck to it. Neither of them. It. I definitely remember hearing mm. the word "wife." They both said so. That 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 was a that was a bit of a tick for the for the prosecution. And did the um, the couple know that Kira Glennon had gone missing the night before? Yeah, that was that was probably that the, was strange, <coughs> wasn't it? It was spooky. <laughs> yes. They said um, yeah. there was no. We we didn't have a phone. We didn't have a TV. We didn't have a radio down in Dawesville in in '97. I, I don't know. No. They were both Telstra technicians. They probably could have sorted them out amongst each other. <laughs> they, but they said it was a real getaway place where they well, just. Pr- yes, yeah. so I, I'm, right, I'm yeah. being flippant, mm. obviously. Yeah. But for people who um, are interstate, Dawesville is a town about an hour south of Perth, and it's um, back in the 1990s. I mean, I would call it back then a bit of a sleepy town, mm-hmm. a place where retirees where you went crabbing, where you went crabbing and fishing, and and had a little weekend getaway. So um, obviously back then. You know, they've, they've had this house which doesn't have a telly and have no information coming through. Yeah, exactly. And, and Mr. Edwards, uh, uh, from memory, said, Mr. Cook said in his evidence, he stayed most of the day and then left. They, the, the Cooks stayed down a little bit longer. Um, and uh, Mrs. Cook uh, said, we just didn't hear what happened. And obviously what had happened was Kira had gone missing. Um, but even then, if they had known, they wouldn't have associated with this fellow that he plays pool with every Wednesday. No one they associated no him with it for 25 That's years. That's right. <laughs> There's no mention of Telstra vans or cars. Or, exactly. Yeah, so... Hindsight, yeah. it's a wonderful mm. thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and it seems that um, these little things have happened, as you said, Tim, for 23 years. It, the dots were never been able to be joined up. Absolutely. Well, I, my colleague John Flint wrote in the Sunday Times last weekend, hiding in plain sight. And that's yes. that's exactly what the prosecution are saying he did for all those years, is that um, he was your archetypal family man and the and the, the home videos and the and the pictures of him with a beard, you know, on a boat in Fremantle and lying with the dog and all, all these things, all these little personal indicia that we've had all week. Um, gave absolutely no indication of what the prosecution say um, he was like when um, when the sun went down. It's ironic because I w- when we were covering it at the time, a former assistant police commissioner, Graham Linnett, rang me and said, um, it's someone who's around, it's someone who's been in strife before, he's still here, I believe. This profiling, he said, might work in the United States with the FBI where you've got a couple of hundred million people. He said, but I believe just door knocking and they've got the wrong guy with Lance Williams, that public servant that they virtually hounded to death. And he said, way back there, there's some guy that's around that's just still there and I bet he's got previous form. And when I was doing my research, preparing for the trial and looking back um, in old archive pieces from the West... um, after Kira had gone missing, um, one of uh, you know a, a former journalist at the paper had had rung a psychologist in Perth to ask him what he thought might be the man that was doing these things, and the headline was he he, he is an everyman, 
and mm. and that I mean that psychologist so, yeah, still practicing today, mm, and so yeah, he should yeah. be because um, if if he's right and the prosecution are right, he was absolutely right all yeah. those years ago. Was Kira Glennon's family in court today? They've been yes. yes. Kira's father and her sister have been there pretty well they've, every day. They've been there every day. Every day. day. Every yes. day. Um, yep. And could you see their reactions to this revelation that um, Bradley Edwards had not showed for this uh, weekend getaway? They, um, Dennis was absolutely immaculately turned out as, as he, he always, always is, is. Yep. Um, brass buttons and blazer mm. and, and um, look and it's obviously been a hugely taxing week um, yeah. you, know, I, I, you know I haven't um, had any um, personal indication of that but you can you can just um, you can just imagine um, they the, um, this wouldn't be strange to him he would be aware they would kept him briefed about what's happening in the bad mm. parts and the gruesome parts and I think they'd forewarn him because he's yeah. been escorted in with the police and so right. nothing would be a surprise to to what he's seeing. Yes. No, and yeah. and, De- and Dennis um yeah, I mean he looked he looked he looked well, he looked mm. he, he looked um he looked fine today, but um yeah, you you can imagine um when the, the when the, when oh. the front doors have closed mm. uh, this week, um there would have been um a lot of um because soul searching, yeah. I'm sure. His wife has written a book about it and that's helped her yeah. considerably. Una Glennon, yes. It was. It's an amazing book, actually. I managed to get a copy of it last week because I'd never personally read it. Um, it's called Kira's Gift. Um, it was published by UWA Press back in 2010, I think. Right. And she uh, basically found that writing notes right uh, almost immediately after Kira went missing for 10 years, she scribbled things down, yes. thoughts, and and uh, j- just to purge herself of everything she was was feeling. And she felt that really helped her. Um, and then she combined it all. And it, I thoroughly recommend it. It's, regardless of the subject matter, it's just an amazing treaty on how to deal with grief. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and, and surpri- a surprising yeah. um, revelations, or not revelations, the wrong word, but um, in, insights into how her and Dennis basically made their own paths yes. um, sort of apart but together if you know what I mean they gave each other space um, and it's beautifully written so gentle and, and not the sort of heart-wrenching thing that you might imagine or or others might um, think it, it would be it's it's very calm in its in its um, phraseology um, and it does it, it gives a, a, a wonderful insight into the family particularly but also how they dealt with it um, in the years after. And she was quite um, uh, right at the beginning she actually said why is it that everybody's approaching my husband for comment and they Mm. haven't come to me and I said well it was because we were probably because he was at the forefront we'd go to him thinking we were protecting her but she actually wanted to articulate her feelings and she did and she felt this helped her along the way along with her faith that she could have her say about what her feelings were but so you we were thinking we were, you know, protecting doing right her, doing the right thing as journalists, and, yeah. and uh, yet she wanted to have her say. Yeah. Actually, we haven't seen or heard of the f- any of any the family of the accused, have we? Um, no, no. Mm. Um, they were quite sort of forthright at the beginning, and they were. I, I, I've, I've got to admit, I've, n- I've never seen Mr. and Mrs. Edwards' parents in person, so I, I, I don't actually know whether they've been in court. I don't think they have been. His brother. Troy, who's been mentioned during the, the first stages of the trial, I do know what he looks like, and he yeah. hasn't been there. He lives 
um, in Western Australia, but quite a long way away. Yeah. Um, we don't know whether he'll be called. Well, do that's, we? that's the other thing. There's a yeah. witness. There's a there's an order for witnesses out of court, as there always yeah. is, with a so few exemptions, yeah. and mm. um, maybe they've been told, well, yeah. we might need you. So well, it you has know. been mentioned a number of times mm. as being as part of the various girlfriends who've come forward actually met. Bradley through Troy or they've been out drinking together so I should imagine yes he could because we're not told who the witnesses are it's a very unusual trial in fact that things just pop up during the day um, for our purposes like one-liners that don't seem to go anywhere and in particular this week when we heard about his second wife being fearful Yes. Yeah, we, we discussed life. that yesterday. Have we discussed it? I've been yes. out of that. Okay. No, Sorry, no, no. But I'm I mean, still curious as to what. Well. And we, we all are saying, well, why is no one asking the question? Will somebody the ask answer? the question? They obviously were worried about what the answer was going to be. I mean, yes. both sides. So, uh, but that's what everybody's coming up to me saying. So, what was she fearful about <laughs> yes. today? Well, it's the question on what? everybody's lips in Western oh, Australia, okay. and still, still will be. Yeah. And still will be because Tim was explaining yesterday that really that witness is finished. With so we yeah. will never get the answer to that question, or we will never get the question, let no. alone the answer. Well, I, I, until and when she wants to maybe possibly speak publicly after the yeah. whole legal process is over, which you know she's she's within her rights to do that. Um, but it was a, very curious, wasn't is, it? Yeah, very. It was. Yes, it was. It was a strange portion of a, of a very strange week. Yes, it's been a, a very remarkable week. Do we know what's in store for next week? So early... Um, we know so, we're having late nights. Yeah. So, yeah, Monday, um, there is a witness So who was the boyfriend of Mr. Edwards' first wife. He's the man who moved in with them, then started a romantic relationship with the first wife, and then got her... Eventually, they moved out and got pregnant together. He's now living overseas, um, got a long way away overseas, so there has to be a video link set up for him to give his evidence very remotely um, and because of the distance there is a time difference so we will be starting at 12 o'clock West Australian time on Monday which mm-hmm. is two hours later than we usually do um, and then sitting later into the night to accommodate him and because of the technical issues of getting the, the video link set up and his availability and all that um, the judges basically said we're going to do it in one go we'll go as late as we need to He's trying to get a guesstimate from both sides of how long it might be. They've set up a four-hour time slot for the video link, um, and and they think they will comfortably cover his evidence in that time. So, so yeah, um, well, today, there's been a few late nights this week, but yes, it's going to yes. be even later next week. Today, they actually said they're getting through the witnesses a lot quicker than they expected. Well, yeah, that's the other thing, Alex. We've ex- we'd expected, I think, a, a, a bit more. Well, a bit more meat on the bones, to be mm. honest. We, 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 and we all anticipate we're going to be key witnesses to ex-wives, girl, ex-girlfriends, close friends. Um, but uh, Ms. Barbara Gallo said this morning they've rattled through them. Um, she Whipped they through rattled them. through them so quick she mm. ran out of witnesses yesterday. So tried to uh, tried to juggle something and then promptly got a got a ticking off by she? the uh, by the judge <laughs> for um, <laughs> for trying to bring witnesses forward, which Mr. Jovic says was unfair on him because he didn't know they were coming. So well, he was only told the defence that they're only told about an hour and a half before court started that this witness was popping up and he couldn't have the time to prepare for yeah. it. Yeah, and that so was a little, little bit of battle battle battle. <laughs> within the battle I suppose yeah. a little bit of jousting Mr. Jovic saying well you're on a, you know you know de- defence fairness and all that and then Ms. Barbagall said well you know they're human beings we've got to try and do what I'll do but uh, I think it's fair to say Justice Hall came down on the side of the defence and um, said move on yeah move on <laughs>
Well, you you all had predicted that nothing about this trial would be ordinary. Mm. And I think from what we've seen this week, that is absolutely true. I mean, there have been bombshells that nobody saw coming. There was dramas outside the courtroom this week. Hmm. Yes. um, This sort of trial does attract a certain type of person. Fringe element, (laughs) shall we say. And um, there's there's been a few of those around. The security guards have been kept busy. Um, the lovely um, Geordie man downstairs who runs the coffee shop in the in the court's been kept very <laughs> busy, which he's he's quite happy about. I understand his tills have been chinging all week. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, mechanically, it's been a trial. There was yeah. there were took there was a judge, there was two lawyers, there was an accused, there was some family, there were two openings, and then some evidence. But um, Apart from that, it's been anything but normal. And um, I mean, that's purely to do with the emotion, the subject matter, the interest. Um, And we've only gone through one week. And we're only five (laughs) days into possibly what could be a six, eight, nine month trial. So, so, yeah. um, And as you say, it's been as dramatic and as um, and as vivid and as visceral as we all sort of. Thought, mm. I think, yes. but I mean, maybe the interest maybe, is there. I mean, no, the interest is there. Oh, more to absolutely, come. yeah, absolutely. Well, a very eventful week. Thank you both. You've obviously been working very, very long hours and sitting in that courtroom, which isn't always the most comfortable place to sit for hours and hours on end. Thanks for keeping us informed and thank you all for listening. Tune in Monday for day six of the trial. We'll be back in court. Uh, Well, you guys will be back in court. (laughs) And we hope you can join us for the next podcast of Claremont in Conversation. This podcast was hosted by Natalie Bongiolo, produced by Kate Ryan and Alicia Preedy and recorded in the studios of Seven West Media. Audio files were provided from the archives of the Seven Network and the West Australian. Sign up for daily emails and all the latest on the Claremont trial at thewest.com.au.